Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Thank God for His Word. It's not just some old book that we're, you know, proud about. I tell you what, it's a life-changing book. And you get His Word in your life and it'll, it'll change you forever. You get His Word in your life and it's from one glory to the next glory. Doesn't mean you're never going to have a problem. Did you hear me? Just because you're a Christian and just because you have God's Word, it doesn't mean you're not going to face challenges in life. But thank God, God's Word is the tool by which we overcome in this life. It's food for our spirits. How would it be if you went along in a week and you only ate one cold snack during the whole week? Would that go well? Would your body be yelling at you and saying, Hey, 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 there's pizza in the fridge. Hey, hey, chocolate, have you forgotten chocolate? I mean, would your body be talking to you if you didn't give it anything to eat except one cold snack in a week? My mind would talk to me before one day was done. Our spirits are the real person. We're, you know, we aren't just a body. Thank God we have a body that we can function in this world with, but the real person is your spirit. Your spirit needs to be fed regularly. Regularly. If we're going to be strong in faith and strong in the victory that Jesus won for us, we need to feed our spirits. What do, what do spirits eat? Do they eat Euro sandwiches from Ted's Pizza? Goodness, Dana, where am I going? No. <laughs> your spirit, you know, probably digs a Euro. But no, your spirit eats the Word of God. It takes the Word. It's nutrition for your spirit, man. It causes your spirit to rise up in the strength that God intends us to walk in. Praise the Lord. That was all free. wasn't my message, okay? We've been talking for a few weeks about the real Jesus. And we've said this, and we've gone to Revelation chapter 1, you know, every week. And there's some scriptures in there. The first three chapters of Revelation are primarily a message to the church. They're primarily, you know, Jesus doesn't just give us things. He doesn't give us the message, you know, just to make, you know, he doesn't try, he isn't trying to make us feel bad by what he's saying. What he's doing is he's given us words to live by. He's given us words to live in victory by. And I, I've put this out there. What he's given us is foundations to live in victory in these last days. And in this first chapter of Revelation, he tells us some, some great things about who he is. Do you ever wonder who Jesus is? Do you ever wonder who God is? Well, don't let some, you know, situation in life define who God is. Let God define who he is. You get to know a person by spending time with them. You get to know a person by their words. You can know God so well that if the devil tries to talk to you, you go, eh, eh, eh. you know, you'd, you'd reject it because you know the voice of God. You know the voice of the good shepherd. And you don't listen to the voices of strangers. 
You know, I tell this story every now and then, but I, I had a good friend growing up in, in grade school, middle school, high school, all the way through school. He was a good friend. We were good friends. And you know what? We're still good friends today. But there was a season after I got born again, probably about five years that I didn't talk to him and he didn't talk to me. You know how that is in life? You get out of high school and you kind of go your own way and sometimes you part ways with different friends. But, but I'll tell you what, sometimes there's friends that come back up in your life. And I just got to thinking one day, I thought, you know, I'm going to give him a call. And, you know, I'm sitting at my parents' house. And, you know, I knew his number. I couldn't tell you my number, but I could still tell you his number because as a kid, back in those days, we had to dial the phone. It was a big innovation when there was push-button phones. And, my goodness, when they took the cords away from things, them things, it was like liberation to me. Yes. Woo! Boy, could I tie a phone cord in a knot in no time flat. But, you know, I'd call my friend up. So I, I was sitting there one day. I said, I'm going to give him a call. I'll probably get his mom. but Maybe she can tell me how to reach him. So I dialed his phone number. And, and I'm totally expecting, like, his mom or dad to answer. And, and he answered. And I just thought, you know how you're kind of nerved up? You know how you're kind of nerved up in things like that? I just says, I didn't say, hey, John. I said, is John there? You know, I was playing it safe. Do you ever do that? You ever just play it safe? And, you know, without missing a beat, he said, yeah, this is John. What do you want, Paul? <laughs> he didn't ask me if I was trying to sell him something on the phone. He didn't, you know, give me some excuse or what, whatever. He knew it was me because we'd spent time together. We grew up together. Shot BB guns in my parents' basement together. <laughs> Ate pizzas and milkshakes. Stephen, you know, hey. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Jesus said this about himself. He said this in Revelation. You know, I'm probably going to go to Revelation 1.5 if you want to just look at that. But the first thing he said is he's the faithful witness. And so I, I, I taught on this a few weeks back in just saying this, that if you want to know who God is, Jesus showed us what the Father's like, what he's like, you know, what the Godhead is like. Well, how did he do that? Well, he walked the earth and he displayed heaven. He displayed God. He displayed the will of God. You know, what did he do? Well, Acts 10.38 says it pretty well. He went about doing good, healing those that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Well, what does God do? Well, he goes around doing good. Doing good. And you say good? good. God is good. Hallelujah. God is a good God. Despite what anybody might have said, whatever you've seen on the internet, YouTube, or anything like that, I'm going to tell you what Jesus came to do is show us that God is a good God. He's a good God. Hallelujah. Don't accept anything less. Don't accept some phony. Jesus is the faithful witness. The next thing um, we talked about is that he was the prince of the kings of the earth. And I know I skipped something, but I'm going to go back to it. I said he's the, he's the most high God. Jesus is not, you know, you know some, some you know, babe in Bethlehem. Thank God he was. But thank God he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the most high God. Hallelujah. He's not just an equal match to the devil. If there's a tug of war, it isn't a matter of who's going to win. This is a real nail-biter. No, it's the fourth quarter, 10 seconds. No, no, no. I'm telling you, God just barely flexes his muscle, and the devil has to run. 
I'm telling you, there's no match. There's no match. There's no match between Jesus and the devil. There's no match between what Jesus did on the cross in his death, burial, and resurrection and what the devil did through Adam. There's no match between those two. What Jesus did is far greater, far greater than anything the devil ever mustered up. All right. So are you with me here this morning? I better check the time because I get carried away and who knows, I might not let you out till the third service, you know. But anyway, I skipped over this one part, but I'm going to come back to it today. Who knows why I skip? Who knows why I do anything? Dana asks that all the time. What are you doing, Paul? But I'm going to tell you today, Jesus is the first born from the dead. That's one of the things, you know, why, why would he even say that? He appears to John on the Isle of Patmos in his glory. He's like, hey, I'm the firstborn from the dead. Why, why would he say that? Because you and I need to know this. Living in the day that we live, we need to know that he is more than a conqueror. We need to know that even death does not have a grip on Jesus. We need to know this, that the power of death has been put under our feet. Under his feet, but we're the body. So even if you're the little toenail on the body of Christ, death and the devil are under you. Hallelujah. Someone said, I think my uncle said this. He's, he's a preacher. He's in heaven now. But he used to say, if you have a message for the devil, write it on the bottom of your shoe. He may not have been the first one to say it, but I heard him say it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's the truth. The devil is under your feet. So, so you know, don't, don't be defeated. Don't be discouraged. Know that you've been risen with Christ. So, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. i got to tell you this. i got to clarify this just so you have your thinking straight. Jesus did not, you know, appear to John and say, I'm the first one raised from the dead. Did you hear me? Do you know that there were other people that were raised from the dead before Jesus was. You don't need to be a, a real Bible scholar to even know that because even if you watched the life of Jesus, you'd find that, that he raised Lazarus from the dead. He touched the widow's uh, uh, son's coffin and he was raised up from the dead. And if you went back even further, you'd find stories in the Old Testament of people that were raised from the dead. You know, one of the prophets, Elijah, was... You know, <laughs> I tell you, Dan Coffin would have a field day with me because he's a teacher at LCU. But, but my Old Testament, sometimes I get my Elijahs and Elishas mixed up. But, but one of those dudes, man, he laid on the, the, widow's, the widow's son that was dead and breathed life into him, and he was raised up from the dead. All this was before Jesus was raised from the dead. But Jesus never said, I was the first one raised from the dead. He said, I was the first one born from the dead. Born from the dead. You see, all those people had something called the death nature on the inside of them. They had something in them that was inherited from the garden of Eden when Adam fell. And, and when they were raised up from the dead, they still had that death nature in them. Were they good people? Yeah, they were good people. Did they go to heaven? Yeah, they believed unto Jesus. They were believing in something that was going to happen 
And that was called the death, burial, and resurrection. That was called something that uh, the way was made for God to impart life to you and I. Not just any kind of life, the God kind of life. And Jesus, when he was on the cross, you know, more went on than what the Roman centurion and the Roman guards did to him. They nailed him to a cross. They, they took his life, but something more went on. Jesus became our substitute. He took the death nature. He went to hell. He was buried. And, and for three days and three nights, he paid the price for you and I. And then Jesus said this. He says, John, let me tell you something. I'm the first born from the dead. He was the first one to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Yes. Now, I got to tell you something that makes me really happy. He didn't say he was the last one born from the dead. He was the first one. That means you and I have a number. We may be 5,368,000, but we got the same life in us. We've got the same death-defying, devil-stomping life living on the inside of us. Colossians 2.15, it says, and in, 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 this is talking about Jesus, it says that he spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I'm telling you, this whole section in Colossians 2 is rich, but I'm just reading this one scripture here this morning, talking about Jesus being the first born from the dead. The Coney Bear Bible, does anybody have their Coney Bear Bible with them today? <laughs> It says this, he disarmed the principalities and the powers which fought against him and put them to open shame, leading them captive in the triumph of Christ. Then the JWC Juan, probably my favorite in this verse, it said he stripped away like a cast off garment every demonic rule and authority and made a public exhibition of them. So Jesus on the cross, you know, he is nailed to the cross. What he endured physically was terrible. I mean, see the passion of the Christ, and it'll give you an idea. Probably worse. But beyond that, God did a work. Jesus was the spotless Lamb of God who went to, to the cross, and on that cross, God took and poured into him the sinfulness of mankind. He became sin. Then he died, and he went to hell. How do you know he went to hell? Because that's where sinners went. Hold on. Sinners went to hell? Yeah, yeah, sinners went to hell. They went to hell. They suffered in hell. And, and, and Jesus, being a substitute for us, he took our place, and he went and paid the price. After three days and three nights, Jesus said this. It was just like Jonah in the belly of the whale. When Jonah was in the belly of the whale, I can tell you what, he wasn't in paradise. He wasn't playing golf in the belly of the whale. That's probably not even a swing. But I'm telling you what, but Jonah wasn't doing that stuff. He was, it was a place of torment. And Jesus likened it to the three days and three nights that he was in the heart of the earth. And after three days and three nights, when Jonah was in the belly of the whale, it says that God spoke. And that everything that was holding back Jonah released him. And, you know, I'll just say it this way. He came up to Nineveh in that whale, 
And he was released from the belly of that whale with a great force. Was that okay? Jesus was being held by every demonic, you know, whatever. Klingon, you know, devil, demon, all that kind of stuff. They probably thought they're, they're, they're having a glory time. If they could have a glory time. They were having a party time. Some kind of sorts. They were, they were whooping it up. They've got Jesus. You know, there was more opposition to Jesus being raised from the dead than any other event in history. Okay? In the creation of the world, God spoke and the darkness fleed. But I'm telling you what, when Jesus was raised from the dead, the devil was trying to everything he had to keep him from being raised. But Colossians 2.15, it said that Jesus stripped those powers off him like you'd take off a garment. He stripped them from himself. The power of God rocketed him out of that dark place, and he was raised up from the dead. He was the firstborn from the dead. That's how he declared himself to John on the Isle of Patmos. So Jesus is the faithful witness. He is the, the most high God, the prince of all the rulers of the earth. He's the first born from the dead. Does this paint a picture in your mind of who Jesus is? Here's the thing I want to talk about for the next couple minutes. Jesus said this. I Again, I think this was information that was important. Sometimes we can read things and just pass over them as well. He was just, he was just greeting John. He was giving him a salutation. No, he was telling him life information. He said this, to him that loved us. To him that loved us. In Revelation, of course I've turned the page, but in Revelation 1.5, it says, Unto him that loved us. Jesus felt it was important for John. Jesus felt it was important for the church in that day. And I'm telling you what, if it was important for John and the church in that day, it's important for us today to keep this ever before our minds. He's the one who loves us. Now, I'm probably not telling you any revolutionary truth here this morning. I mean, by that I mean this isn't something you haven't heard before. How many of you have ever sung the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But I'm telling you this, I'm exhorting you this morning. You need to be exhorted. You need to be constantly made aware. Because I'm telling you, there are forces in the earth of darkness that try to discourage you, that try to put you down in life. They try to cause you to live on a level lower than what God intends you to live. They try to tell you that God doesn't love you. God is the one who loves you. He loves you. Say, say this, say, Jesus loves me. He loves me right now. He loves me in imperfection. Just the way I am. He ever loves me. See, don't have this thinking that, well, if I can get everything straight in my life, then God will love me. Jesus will love me. He loves me right now. All right, got a verse, got a couple. Romans 5.8. Let me tell you, this is a good one. Romans 5, verse 8. It says, But God 
commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait till, again, you'd been in church for 10 years, you know, done everything right. Taught Sunday school, of course, you know, especially to the toddlers in Toddletown. You were the sheriff for 15 years. Had a badge. We have poof, squirt gun. Do you guys have squirt guns in Toddletown? I think you should have squirt super soakers. I'd probably want to be the sheriff if you had super soakers. But anyway, um, you know, you didn't have to do all these things. <laughs> but when you were in your worst state, when you were still a sinner, when I was still a sinner, God loved us and sent Jesus to die for us. You know, even while we're yet, I love it that it says it like that. Even while we're yet sinners, God sent Jesus to die for us because he loves you. He loves you. If he loved you then, he loves you now. He'll love you forever. A couple others I'm going to give you. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. John, John was like the love guru. Is that such a thing? I'm telling you what, he's just every... There's words in John's writings. You know, there's love and there's life. And if you took those words out of his writings, they'd collapse. They'd, they'd have no foundation because that's what he talked about all the time is the love of God. He was saturated. He was, he was possessed with the thought that God loved him. He had such a healthy self-image that all the time in his writings in the Gospel of John, whenever he talked about himself, he said it's the one that Jesus loved. Now, I'm telling you, Jesus didn't love him any more than he loved Peter, James, or the other disciples, or Andrew. But John knew that Jesus loved him. I tell you what, that is a foundation for living, that Jesus loves us. He loves us. Get a hold of that this morning. Get a hold of that for life. You're loved by God. John said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now, now, not next week, but now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. I don't know everything. I don't know everything about eternity. A couple things that the Bible tells us are cool, but man, I tell you, when he appears, we're going to be like him. We're going to be like him. He's not, you know, this, let me tell you this. God is not going to love you any more when you're in heaven than he loves you right now. Do you know that? His love is great right now, and it's just as great as it will be when we're in heaven. Revelation chapter 2, there's a, there's a striking verse here. He's talking, and he says, Nevertheless, I have someone, he's talking to one of the churches here. He says, I have someone against thee because you've left your first love. Remember from where you're fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I'll come quickly and remove your candlestick out of the place, except you repent. So he's telling these guys, I should have looked up and tell you what church it was, and you're probably looking there now. If you're like me, you'd be in the crowd. You'd be, eh, let's see, check it out here. Check out Revelation 2. But I'm telling you, this is the message I want to tell you. As he says, repent and return to your first love. I've heard this taught many times that it means, well, you know, you've got to get back to being a new Christian and, and loving God intensely. But did you love God when you were first saved? I loved God when I was first saved. You know, I thought, wow, man, whew, praise God. He, he loves me. That's what I really thought. What I really walked around with when I first got born again, way back, you know, 100 years ago, 
I, I, what I did really think about all the time was not how much I loved God, but what I really talk, thought about and talked about was, wow, God loves me. I remember the first night I got born again. I remember, you know, uh, going home from the meeting, the gospel meeting what I, that I was at, and then I went out again. I went down to the 7-Eleven to buy a pack of cigarettes. Because, you know, I got delivered from drugs immediately. Like the, the night I got born again, bam, it was just taken out of my life. It was like, wow, cool. I even threw away all my paraphernalia. You know, I had quite a collection. And, and, and gave it to this guy that had brought me to church that night. He put it in the back of the pickup and drove it away, and he destroyed it for me. But I went down, I bought a pack of cigarettes, because it took a while for me to get free from that particular habit. But while I was down there, 7-Eleven, I mean, that's the hangout in the neighborhood. And, you know, that was in the back in the day. That and the bowling alley, you know, hey. I went to the bowling alley all the time. I never bowl once. I never, I never bowl one game. I don't hardly even, I mean, you guys saw me. I tried to bowl a couple years ago. I'm, I'm pitiful. But, but I'd go there all, every night, would hang out there. And I and, uh, saw some friends of mine, and, you know, they say, hey, come on, let's go for a drive. So I hopped in their car, and they're smoking some kind of stuff, you know, or whatever, and, and give, passing to me. And I said, well, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to do that. You know, I didn't hardly know what to say. But, you know, I, they, they looked at me like, what happened to you? And, and I said, no, nah. I said, something, something did happen to me. And I tried to explain it. I didn't know even a Bible verse to tell them. You know, you don't need to know a Bible verse. Should you know a Bible verse? Yeah, you should. But you know what? Don't let it ever be an excuse that you don't know enough. Because all you really need to know is what has God done for you. The power of your testimony is just that. It's power. So I, what I told them, I said, you know, I didn't know theology or anything like that, I, I, but I did say this. I don't know what happened tonight, I said, guys, but I know this. God loves me. God loves me. You ever walk along through life as a Christian and you get, your mind gets muddied by the, the events of the day and theology that gets preached out there on the, on the waves and all this kind of stuff, and you lose sight of that very precious truth that God loves you? Jesus says, hey, repent. Repent. Get rid of that kind of thinking. Don't be thinking like that. Know this. You're loved by God. Yes. You're loved by God. Luke 15. We'll look at this. I'm going to tell you the story. It's really in Luke 15. and It starts verse 11. Many of you know this story, but there was two sons. His father had two sons. And one of the sons, you know, he said, Dad, give me what's coming to me. I'm taking off. I'm doing my own thing. They call him. Jesus called him. This story is called the prodigal son. So what did this guy do? He, he ran off, and he spent all his inheritance, all his money. What he spent it on, he, he went to Vegas, you know, <laughs> He went to Vegas. He partied hard. And when he came to an end of himself and the end of his finances, he found that he was, he actually they said he was laying in the pig slop. And he didn't have nothing good to eat, I'm telling you. But he, he had, a, he had a, a revelation hit him. He said, wow, even the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. I'll just go back. I'll, I'll repent. I'll tell them, you know, I'm sorry. And so he's walking back home, and, 
And as he gets close to home, his father is watching for him. And he comes and he runs. And he doesn't, you know, smack him upside the head. He hugs him. He kisses him on the cheek, puts a ring on his finger, and he says, hey, tonight we're killing the fatted calf. Obviously, they were not vegetarians. And they, they roasted this cow, and they said, we are going to have a party. If you're a vegetarian, that's cool. You'd probably break out the greens and say, yes. <laughs> Let's party. However you party, that's how they did it. And, and so, so here's the deal. The, the son was hindered from coming. There was a resistance to coming, even though he quickly broke through it in the story that Jesus was telling, is he got through because the father loved him, and he didn't realize that until he got there and he saw the display of love. you got to know this, that in the Jewish law, a son that's rebellious, the prescription or, or what they did was they said, take him outside of town and let the elders of the town stone him until he's dead. This was the law. This was the law. Jesus told this story knowing this was the law. The people Jesus was talking to, they knew this was the law. What Jesus was doing was saying, I want to show you something. This is what God is like. He's not out there to throw the first stone at you. He's not out there to rain on your parade, to condemn you. He's there. He wants to love you. Now, there was another son in this story, which, you know, really a lot of people could relate to. He, just like his brother, did not have a good understanding of his father's love for him. This boy, he went around, and what I would say about him is he was into doing good and legalism. When people don't understand the love of God, they either run from him and live wildly, or they get into legalism. This guy was a legalist. When, when his son, when his son, when his brother came home, he didn't rejoice. I'll tell you what, as Christians, you know, sometimes Christians can be the roughest bunch. They're, they're there ready to whip them stones as quick as they can fire them, man. They're like elf with the snowballs, you know. <laughs> Has anybody seen elf? <laughs> it's my favorite. Love it when he drinks that Coke. And <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I mean, that's how Christians can be. That's how legalism can be. And this dude, this other brother, you know, he didn't know about the love of the Father. So what he was there is he was ready to point the finger and say, Hey! Not only was he ready to point the finger at his brother, but he was ready to point the finger at God. He was ready to point the finger at his father and say, Hey, I've been doing everything have you seen me on the hamster wheel? I'm telling you what, nobody can make wind like I can make wind. The father is so cool, though. What does he do? He loves people. He walks up to this son, you know, and even the legalist, who can, you know, I don't want to ever be a legalist, you know, but even the legalist, the father just comes up, puts his arm around him and says, son, 
don't you understand everything I have? It's yours. What am I exhorting you about today is that God loves you. I could go on, you know. Got a bunch of other stuff here. Paul, he prayed for the church in Ephesians 3. He, he knew important things that we needed to get a hold of too. He prayed in Ephesians 3. Great prayer in Ephesians 1 is a great prayer in Ephesians 3. He says, man, I'm on my knees and I'm praying this, that you're going to see the height, the depth, the width, and all that stuff of the love of God. That you're going to be so consumed with the love of God that it's going to cause you to live in the fullness of God. When you start to see how much God loves you, what happens in your life is richness, fullness. You begin to live on the level that God wants you to live. Jesus felt it very important that in this day we'd have a proper perspective of who God is. Don't be shaken from your foundation. Don't be shaken by things in the world. Don't be shaken by, again, what other Christians even say. I always go back to the source. I always go back to the Word of God. Amen. Jesus said, He's the one that loves us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.